church. All right, open up your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be diving right into that this morning, and if you didn't bring your Bibles, it's okay, because our, uh, our notes, our sermon notes, the scriptures are in that app on your phone. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Holy. Last week uh, was part one. This week is part two. Raise your hand if you were at part one last week. Wave at me. Excellent. If you were not here, no worries um, because it is on the app. Have you noticed there's a lot of things on the app, uh, but there's, that is on there. Let me define what holy is. Holy is to be set apart for an honorable use. Set apart. Uh, let me read this scripture to you. Um, it's in 1 Corinthians, um, uh, yeah, chapter 1, verse 30. It says this Christ made us right with God, He made us pure. Everyone say, He made us. Made us. Say it again, He made us. Made. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. He made us that way. Um, Brother Dwayne, can you bring me that tithing offering envelope right there real quick? Um, I, I should have prepared for this visual illustration uh, with a bigger piece of paper, but I just thought of it just now. Actually, I thought of it in the first service. So I got this piece of paper, and, and what I'm gonna do is I am going to, if I can remember how to do this, um, yeah, there we go. It's not going to be impressive, but yeah, yes. There we go. There we go. There we go. It's amazing what you can do with offering envelopes. Had a lot of practice when I was a kid. <laughs> so I just made a paper airplane. I just made it. Now, if this paper could talk, this paper could not say, I am the bomb diggity. I am... I am amazing. I am so special. Look what I did to myself. Right? The paper cannot brag on it because it didn't do anything. The only thing that it did do is rest in my hands. That's all it did. And, and then God did the rest. And just as I made this airplane, God makes you holy. Uh, the minute you say, Lord, I am sorry for my sins, he takes you in his hands and he makes you holy. You say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. He makes you holy. But holiness does not stop there. Holiness does not stop there. And, and the reason why I'm in the middle of this series is because there is an epidemic in our country uh, in the world today, in our culture, there's an epidemic, there's a sickness, a virus called indifference. People are indifferent to the things of God. They're indifferent. They're neither passionate nor are they cold. They're not on fire, but they're not ignoring God. They're indifferent. They're right in the middle. They're not passionate, they're not on fire. They're, they're right in the middle. And I'm not talking about non-Christians. Non-Christians have not cared about the things of God for generations. 
I'm talking about Christians, people in the church. Indifference, a sickness of indifference. They simply do not care. They believe in God, but they don't care about the things of God. And and that is a problem. It is a massive problem. Because too many people are backing up and they're saying, God made me holy, I'm on my way to heaven, I can live any way I want, I can not be passionate about the things of God because Jesus died for me on the cross and I'm going, so thank you very much, leave me alone. That is a major problem because the Bible says this, I talked about this last week. I would rather you be hot or I would rather you be cold. But the lukewarm people, the indifferent people, the people that don't really care one way or another, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. You make me sick. You make me sick. Now I'm gonna say this, um, uh, I, 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 it's my assignment and my passion, I want, I want to go to heaven with a church family a large church family. You know, we're going to stand before God together. And I know that because in Revelations, God addresses the church. He talks to the whole church at once. He says, to this church and to that church and to this church. And, and when we show up, you know, I want as many people there as possible. I really want that. And this is not the sermon that a pastor preaches to make people want to come back to church. I want you to know that. I am well aware of the sermons that people like. People like jokes, they like to laugh, they like stories, they like these things. And I want you to like me. How's that for honesty? But I don't want you to like me so bad that I'm willing to not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to like me that bad. And if you don't want to hear all of the Bible, I have good news for you. There's 72 other churches in this city that you can go to, and maybe some of them will tickle your ears and tell you exactly what you want to hear. What I want to tell you is exactly what you need to hear. What I want to tell you is exactly the reason why many of us are not fulfilled with the things of God is because we've never gotten all the way in. And until you get all the way in, you will always be moderately disappointed. You will always look at the church and you'll always look at the Bible and you'll always look at preachers and you'll always say, it's good, it's great, but I'm not passionate about it. And you'll blame the church and you'll blame preachers and you'll blame everything else. And I just want to tell you, it is not anybody's fault other than the fact that you have been indifferent for too long. It's not that church is boring. It's not that the Bible's boring. You have just been indifferent too long. A little boy named Jimmy kept on falling out of his bed. And he told his mom, I want a new bed. My bed is broke. And he said, why is your bed broke? Because I keep falling out. And the mama said, Jimmy, the bed is not broke. You're just not in deep enough. I want to tell you that the gospel is not broke. Jesus is not broke. It's not boring. It is the most fulfilling thing that you can possibly imagine. You just may not be in deep enough. You're just indifferent for too long. 
let me, let me read this to you. Not only do we become holy, not only does God make us separate, the minute you give your life to the Lord, he makes you holy and he says, I am setting you apart for an honorable use. That's what holiness is, to be separated. I am se- I'm not looking at you the same as I look at everybody else anymore. I'm looking at you as a person that I have set apart for an honorable use. If you have ever in your life said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, at that moment he said, yes, I am setting you apart you, you have more of an assignment, more of a destiny than what you realize. No mind has imagined, no ear has heard the things that God has for you. I am setting you apart. I got an assignment that's way bigger. I'm setting you apart. And, and what he wants in return is this. I am setting you apart, but I also want you to set yourself apart. I want you to set yourself apart. I've set you apart, but I want you to set yourself. I I have an assignment for you, but do you want it? See, this was my thought. Let me read this scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it says, run. Everyone say, run. Run. Thank you. (laughs) From anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Run from it. And when I talk about youth, I'm not just talking about your adolescent years, but I'm including that. Have you ever met somebody that is old in age and young in maturity? What the Bible is saying here is the things that you struggled with, run from them. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child, I spoke as a child, but now that I've become a man, I put away childish things, I'm running from those things. Why? Because I'm setting myself apart. I don't dress like I used to dress because I'm setting myself apart. I don't talk like I used to talk because I'm setting myself apart. I don't act the way I used to act because I'm setting myself apart. I don't go to the places that I used to go because I'm setting myself apart. Excuse me, Frankie, are you saying I'm going to go to hell if I... No! I'm saying that God has called you to be set apart for an honorable use. What is your response? The Bible says to not only run, but watch this. Instead, pursue righteous living. Pursue it, pursue faithfulness, pursue love, pursue peace. And you know what my thought was when I was standing on the front row? I didn't say this in the first service. So I feel like there's somebody that needs to hear me say it in this service. Where are our young Davids? Where are our older Davids? And our Marys and our Rebecca's? Where are they today? There's too many people indifferent. There's too many people that are just relaxed and casual about the things of God. Is there anybody anymore 
that's just like David and said, I'm a man after God's own heart. I am here. I'm a man after God's own heart. If there's one thing I seek, if there's one thing I desire, it's to be in the presence of the Lord and to gaze at the beauty of his face all the days of my life. Is there anybody anymore that feels that way or is everybody too cool to love God? You know, we're looking for a youth pastor right now, and I got on the phone with somebody, and I said, I'm not looking for cool. I'm done with cool. I need passionate. Pastor Lance was passionate. Pastor Lance was passionate, and so now I'm on the lookout. I want passion again. But I'm looking, I don't want, I'm done with it. Is there anybody done with it? You're done with it. Uh, we've had people submit their name, and I'm looking at them like, no, 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 no not just no, no. <laughs> I mean, we got teenagers that are are out acting like they're 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 not they're they're, they're where's the Davids at? Davids should be raised in the house of God. Kids that worship passionately. The, the, the same way kids and teenagers and adults hide sin. They hide their passion for God. And the truth of the matter is it's easy to hide something you don't have. Where are, where are people that are saying, I'm separating myself. I don't talk like that. I don't act like that. I love, I want to feel some hot tears. When was the last time you prayed the way you know how to pray? When was the last time you prayed with passion? When was the last time? Because I'm just saying, where are the Davids? Uh, let me continue reading. Pursue righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who love on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. Does anyone know any difficult people? Raise your hand if you know difficult people. There are people everywhere that will try to suck you into an argument. They will suck you into it. They'll, they will say things to get you worked up. You know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 that in the last days... Many will be offended. Offended. And when you deal with difficult people, you have to say, you're not going to suck me into that. You're not going to suck me into that. You can say what you want to say, do what you want to do. You're not sucking me into this. I'm not going to get pulled in. You can be crazy all by yourself. I'm not doing it. I'm not acting that way. I'm separating myself. Uh, let me uh, just talk for a second. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. Now, in a wealthy home, everyone say wealthy home. Wow. Say it real loud, wealthy home. Wow. Has anyone here ever been to Elvis's house in Greenland or Graceland or wherever it is? Right here, Graceland. I walked in there and I, I got lost 
in there. I, I was like, I, I need a, a walkie-talkie to get around here. Um, it was when I was a kid. We didn't have cell phones. Um, but a wealthy home. There are not only gold and silver vessels, but also ones made of wood and clay. And some are for honorable use, but others for ignoble, and what that means is common or lowly use. So if someone cleanses himself, separates himself, of such behavior, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. See, in in every single home, uh, especially wealthy homes, you can find plastic ware shoved in some drawer or paper plates and paper cups. You can find that. But what the, what the master is saying here is, is that I, there are certain utensils that will, I will hold in my own hands. And I will use with my own hands. And there are so many people that still have the passion. Lord, I want to be used by you. I want you to hold me in your hands. And I want to be used by you. If you talk to my son Luke, who's 10 years old, and ask him what he wants to be when he gets big, it's, it's, it's fun to listen to. Um, he'll catch on if you're doing it for entertainment, though, so he's a smart little whippersnapper. But he'll say, I want to go play professional basketball, then I'm going to play professional football, I might be a businessman after that, and after all that's done, I'm going to be a preacher. <laughs> After I've done everything I want to do, I'm going to be a preacher. And that is a 10-year-old speaking, and that's why we all laugh. We're like, I don't want kids. But when you talk to somebody older than 10, it gets less funny, doesn't it? It gets less funny because we that have grown up and lived a little bit of life, you're saying, you still live for you? It's it's not a passion of yours to be held in the master's hands. In fact, the things of the master's table don't even appeal to you anymore. You're you're just more of the lowly use. I just want to get to heaven. As long as I'm in heaven, I'm fine. I don't need a lot of rubies in my crown. I just need to be there. It's called lukewarm. Lukewarm. Um, let me share this verse with you. In First Peter, oh, let me say this. In Psalms 101, verse 6, it says, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. Everybody look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You see all these preachers around the country and around the world that are no longer preachers? because they didn't live above reproach and they had to step down? Mark my words. You're gonna start seeing that everywhere. Not just preachers. You're gonna start seeing it in every single area of our family. Because they didn't choose to live above reproach, they're losing their families. 
They're losing their husbands. They're losing their wives. They, they're losing any influence they had at work on the job. Losing it like crazy. I follow a, uh, a movie star. I don't want to talk bad about him just because he's not here and I'll probably never meet him. But I follow him on Instagram and he was looking into Instagram and he was talking. He says, I just want to say sorry to my family for all the things that I did. I know what I did can cause me to lose my whole family and I just want to say sorry. And I'm just saying people that do not live above reproach and separate themselves for the things of God, they think that they can come back to the table to be used by God anytime they want to. And I want to tell you, stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. You can't come over here and play games and do whatever you want to do and, and see and play all your little games and, and have fun with life thinking to yourself, God's a good God. Whenever I get ready, I'm just going to come over here and he'll use me for a noble use. You know what the Bible says? That there will be a day where he will turn you over to your sinful ways. You don't want it? 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 I'll tell you what. You know what? I'm, I, okay. Okay. And you'll know that happened when you can sit here and listen to the gospel being preached and be like, I want to tell you, you are in so much, you have no idea, you have no idea what Satan has done to your heart. You have no idea. Honorable use. Let me say this. Uh, my father, um, ever since I was two years old, he pastors a church in Humble. But ever since I was two years old, he's traveled around the nation, either as a pastor or as a, a, a traveling speaker. And his bailiwick is end days, last days. I mean, he just understands right before the Lord returns. And he was talking to me the other day about certain prophecies that are supposed to happen right before the Lord returns. And I, I got to tell you, I've been around this for so long. People get on bandwagons all the time. And there's just too many bandwagons. There's too many internet prophets out there. And half of them, I think, are smoking crack. So I can't... <laughs> I can't get on everyone, you know? It's like, I don't, it, I don't, I'm sure you love God, but you just sound weird. <laughs> Are you with me? Well, my dad said, he goes, you know, there's another prophecy out. And I said, look, here's my deal with signs and wonders. This is what I told him. I said, when I, I look at a sign and I look at the scripture, it's a stretch, it's a stretch to say this means that. It's a stretch. And, and I'm not going to stand up in front of our church and try to make that fit. That event and that scripture, we're going to make that fit. And I'm like, the, the people of celebration are too smart. They'll know I'm trying to stretch this thing. It doesn't fit. It's like, whatever. You know, what okay, it could mean that, but doubtful. I'm looking at intelligent people here. I can't be like. Hey, you guys aren't going to bite for that. So he, tell, he told me, he goes, I've got a prophecy for you. 
that is happening right now in this particular prophecy, you cannot deny that sign means that scripture and that sign and that scripture means that Jesus is coming like any second. You cannot deny it. And he told it to me and I went like this. I came home and told my wife. My wife thinks they're all smoking crack. (laughs) Not literally, I'm just trying to make my point. She's sitting in the kitchen, she goes, well, there's no doubt that sign and that scripture go together. So I was gonna take what my dad told me and come over here and tell you guys. But I changed my mind. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Instead, on October 29th, I'm going to have him come tell you himself. Because he says it so much better than me. Um, And when you hear this message, you'll see clearly uh, that sign and that scripture go together. And it leads to... Jesus is supposed to come back anytime. Now the question for you is, what do you plan on doing with the remainder of your life? It could be a few months, it could be a few years. We don't know. But is, are you done playing games yet? Are you done playing games yet? Or is church still a game to you? Because if it's still a game, you're going to get real irritated with me. Because it is not a game. Jesus is the one that died for our sins. I was using the restroom between services and I told the Lord, I know what you've forgiven me for and I thank you for it. Have we forgotten what he's done for us? It's worthy of holiness. It's worthy of separating ourselves for. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll back up and you'll say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to separate myself. And I'm going to tell you this. You and I have got to have and got to be saturated by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, without the presence of God, you and I will be like a hamster in a wheel simply wanting and wishing, but never actually happening. Am I boring anybody here? I feel like I'm boring a couple people here. Look at the person next to you and say, is he boring you? Is this boring to you? Uh, let, me, let me read this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we will become more and more like him and reflect his glory. The spirit of God working in us. Uh, I want to say this, um, that Paul told Timothy, he said this in 2 Timothy 1.6, he goes, I want you to fan that flame inside of you. That spark, that desire that you have to be in the hands of the Lord for an honorable use, that he will use you. I want you to fan that flame. I want you to fan it. I I don't want you, watch this, I don't want you to just wait. Use me. 
Use me. I want you to use me. Will you use me? Hey, I wish God would use me. Wouldn't it be nice if God, I wish God would use me. I wish he would use me. No, that is not how it works. That's not how it works. The Bible says that the spirit is subject to the prophet. In other words, the prophet, the person, determines when that gift begins to operate. You literally spark it. You spark it. I'll give you a visual illustration. So many times I come to church, I'm standing on the front row and I'm just like, I wanna go back to bed. Truth, it's Sunday morning, I want to go back to bed. And you're like, you're the pastor? I know, I know. As I'm walking from the front row to the steps, I tell myself, Get your head in the game, wake up, and preach with fire. I'm telling myself that. I'm telling myself that. I'm not saying, God, I need you to light me on fire. I'm walking up here telling myself, get up there and bring the fire. I'm telling myself that. Bring the fire. So when I get up here, I'm not going to give you a speech, three poems, and a story and say, la-di-da-da. I'm telling myself it's time for the fire so my spirit and the anointing and the gifts inside of me, they wake up. Uh-oh. Okay, here we go. Here we go. You tell yourself, and so when you, and then, while I'm telling myself, Frankie, wake up, bring the fire, the Lord says, okay, Frankie's in the game. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he flows through me. When you live your life, every person you look at, you're gonna like, oh, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like encouraging them. That's not my thing. I don't feel like serving. That's not my thing. I don't feel like being positive. That's not my thing. I don't feel like introducing them to our church because that's not my thing. I feel uncomfortable. There's got to be a side of you that says praying is my thing. And when you say, invite them, be nice, encourage, serve, pray, worship, come on. The Lord says, uh-oh, somebody's in the game. Somebody's in the game. You are, you are doing, you are, you are doing it. And you walk up, hey, how are you, girlfriend? You're looking so good. Oh, you think so? And you begin to be nice. Is that a new weave? <laughs> My great grandmother from Australia is like, weave? What you talking about? <laughs> it's in the South and all these ladies have one. Just, <laughs> just like I can talk, right? right? I think we call them extensions now, don't we? <laughs> I better be careful. <laughs> um, when we are nice, when we are kind, when we are uplifting, when we get ourselves active, the Holy Spirit begins to flow through us. 
it begins to flow through us. There's someone in our church that is experiencing the trial of her life, no pun intended. And in the midst of it, she is allowing God to move through her by being busy and active. I want you to take a look at this. So Leslie, why don't you introduce this to yourself? Most folks at Celebration haven't had an opportunity to meet you. Why don't you say hi to everybody and tell us who you are? Hey, hi, my name is Leslie Morales. I'm 29 years old. I'm a single mom of a nine-year-old girl. Uh, her name is Camila. I'm from Guatemala originally, and I've been in the States for 16 years now. In May 2016, I found a lump in my breast. And so I turned 28 in May 13. So May 28th, I, you know, pretty getting to my 28th. And um, I go through the process, uh, mammograms and everything. And they're like, uh, you know, we have to do biopsy. So by July 7th, we can say, um, they say, yes, you do have breast cancer. This is a year ago. A year ago. And um, I get hospitalized in August 3rd because I think I have asthma. When I'm in the hospital, they're like, oh, you do have cancer and it's a stage four. So it's in your breast, but it's also in your lungs. So in, this, in November through March, they have, I've had a lot of progress. Uh, it's shrinking. I'm doing great. You know, it's it, everything's great. So by March, they tell me, you know what? It seems like it's the medicine I'm giving you is no longer working. So it's growing again. So the breast cancer, it's 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 getting bigger. And they give me the results in June. They're like, yes, it looks like it has spread to your brain. So. And they tell me, you know what? You have to start this medication right now because it has spread to your brain. It's, there's nothing we can do. It's out of our hands. So you're in chemo and you decide to lead a life group while you're battling breast cancer. Yes. As a 28-year-old woman. Yeah, my dad was the one that wanted to start it. He's like, you and I are going to lead it. I'm like, yes. We can go ahead and, and get it done. He, God has blessed us through so much, through this tough time. We can just give just a little bit, he said. And so that's how we started leading the life group. Where as I was leading the life group, I've received support from, from you guys, Celebration, from all my family, it, I, I believe, that this hardship has gotten us everyone closer mm. as a family. Mm. So I'm just giving a little bit and he has blessed me with a lot. <laughs> so we, uh, I was talking to my sister. It's like, hey, you know what? We should serve a little, you know, give, give something else. She's like, yes, but I drag her through a lot of things that I do. <laughs> so if I'm doing something, I have, Hey, you want to come with me? She's like, yes, sure. So we go to growth track. We, we learn a lot and we go, okay, parking lot. 
<laughs> that's something we can do <laughs> and um, we love it yeah. it's it's awesome it's fun yeah we like we like doing pretty lot <laughs> so how would you encourage someone who's in a hard season would you tell them serve like I serve in the middle of your hardship I mean what did you get out of that strength I got a lot of strength I have a lot of people like Celebration Church that have prayed for me, that have given me all the strength that I need. I support. Mm -hmm. So I've while gotten... you're giving, you're receiving. Yes. It was really hard to be able to say, you know what, oh, yeah, it's, it's great. I, one thing I said, I was never going to question God. We were not going to ask why. We're, we're not. All we asked is for, for guidance, for strength. God is great. He has been my strength through everything. That He is the same God from 2,000 years ago. That He will do the same miracles that He did then, He will do them now. I want them to know that He, he can be the strength for them. Absolutely. I, I want to close with this thought. If we look for opportunities to bless and to encourage people, sometimes it's our own family, which can be the most awkward. Sometimes it's our friends, it's our neighbors. But if we look for opportunities in the church, outside of the church, if we look for opportunities, we will naturally stay away from the things that are not godly. That will naturally happen. So I'll stand our feet for me, please. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. And let me ask you a question. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you are, please? Hands are going up all over this room. All over this room. Can we all just raise both hands as, surrender, as a sign of surrender? And let's say these simple words. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your eyes closed? Let me pray a blessing over you. Lord, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Be blessed in the name of the Lord.